I like it, though. I feel very official. <laughs> She's wearing headphones, so. All right, well, we're recording, as I'm sure you probably already figured out. Oh, I did not know that. Hi, yes. everybody. Yes. Welcome back, back. Back, back. We're back, back. Back streets, back. All right. We are back, back. And we have come to the conclusion that we need to drop episodes every other week instead of every week because, well, we have difficulty keeping up with commitments. <laughs> We've come to the conclusion that we're idiots. Oh, yes, 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 it's yes. Just We've come to that conclusion. What are we talking about today? I know what we're talking about. I'm very excited. I believe that we are doing a little true crime uh, circle back. Part two. Electric Boogaloo. So it is a nod to the true crime genre, part two. It's a nod to the true crime genre, part two, and the like vortex of all crime that takes place in South Carolina. <laughs> yes, because, well, let's face it. I have been, uh, so started out because I started watching this documentary on HBO about the Beatrice Six. Only murders in Nebraska. And you stole my line. <laughs> I can't ever remember the title of it, so I keep calling it Only Murders in Nebraska, which I'm sure the Tourism Committee of Nebraska <laughs> really appreciates. So. Lincoln's and Leno Mahar on the phone right now. They have words. So, and then... When we had talked about this, also the Murdoch case in South Carolina. Wow, what a wicked twist that's taken. Has it, though? Has it really taken a twist? Okay, no. But I want people to think, oh, wow, let me go look it up. And then they look it up and they're like, oh, my God. Right. It is equaled, outpaced only by the Lori Daybell Vallow shit show or Vallow Daybell, whatever, the woman who killed her kids in Utah. Right. That she was with the guy who said he could make magic portals and closets and slip in and out of different realms. And yeah. Narnia. Yeah. I wish. Look for my lost socks in there, please. <laughs> I don't know where they are. We haven't introduced ourselves. I'm Stephanie. That's Steve. We're done. Good. Is that so? Good show. Good show, everybody. Thanks for joining <laughs> Thanks us. Thanks for tuning in. We'll yes. catch you next week. You be- no, no. Two weeks. Two, two weeks. weeks. We'll catch you in two, two weeks. weeks. So, all right. What do you want to jump in at? Well, why don't you, can you recap it a little bit for people so they know where we are with this? We're doing a nod to true crime Not part two. Not the case, you dingbat. Oh my God. Murdoch? Yeah. Okay. So when last we left you. <laughs> when you, we last talked about this. Yes. On the last episode of Soap, which is a show Bam-bam. I love, by the way, Bam-bam-bam-bam. which we ought to do a nod to soap I and all of the so all of the talent that came out of that you had mm. uh, billy crystal i about to say billy joel you had billy crystal you had katherine hellman um gosh richard mulligan yeah richard mulligan and don lee rhodes who was horribly underrated he was the one that played dutch the criminal that ran away with Eunice. Okay. And yeah. then Robert Guillaume started on Soap, and then he got a spinoff on his own show. Called Benson, called, which was delightful. It was a great show. Missy Gold, was she on that show? Yes, and Tracy Gold, her sister, was on Growing Pains. Yes, yes. Okay. There were only a couple of families that had actresses in the 80s. Yes, the two. There were only two families. Right. Yes. So at any rate... We'll do a thing to soap some other time. So um, I think the last time we checked in on the Murdaugh mystery, he had um, the the dad. I can't remember his name. It's spelled Alex, but it's pronounced Alec. <laughs> because the A of and the X are silent. <laughs> the A and the X are to the infinite power of weird. 
So at any rate, when uh, when last we were here, he had an attempt on his life by what could best be characterized as a blind, one-armed assassin. Local Gomer. Who he, <laughs> later we found out, who he hired to kill him so that his family could get the life insurance. And we later found out. We later found out that, that subsequent to that, somebody somewhere killed everyone. So I want to be careful because these are allegations. It's allegations. Yes. So he was alleged to have hired his own assassin. And the guy couldn't apparently hit the ground if he fell on it. Right. His, the alleged assassin also happens to be a former client and distant cousin. <laughs> oh, my God. We can't make this stuff up, folks. I'm just telling you. So um, so that was kind of where we tapped out at. And I think at the time, wasn't there um, an allegation of missing funds from the law firm trust account? Yes. So now, fast forward, and um, Alec? Alec. 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 Okay. Like E-L-I-C. No, I'm okay. not. I'm not doing that. Okay, Alex Murdoch. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'll do that. Has now been arrested for the murders of not only his wife but also one of his sons, yes. and that would be the son who was alleged to have boated under the influence and caused an accident that resulted in the death of not his girlfriend but a friend's girlfriend. Yes. I think yes. yes, that is correct. And then <laughs> on top of that, he's been fired from the firm that his grandfather founded. Right, his grandfather is apparently like the like wellspring from which all lawyers sprung in <laughs> South Carolina from I don't know statehood until now. So, um, so that's kind of crazy. Um, but I was so shocked when I found out. He was charged with murdering not only his wife, but his son. I mean, if that's true, and these are all allegations, and everybody is presumed innocent until found guilty by a group of people who would rather be doing anything but sitting in the jury box. Yep. So, um, uh, fascinating. So, what's your take on it? You do criminal law. I don't. I, I'm I do fascinated. criminal law. I don't, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase it. I don't do adult criminal felonies, work. Felonies, yeah. I do handle juvenile felonies. It is um, absolutely mind-boggling to me. It's not uncommon, and however you want to say this, I get it, people kill their spouses from time to time, unfortunate as that may be. It's an entirely different bag of raccoons to kill your kid. Now I'm thinking about a bag of raccoons <laughs> and what kind of fun that would be. I just made that up. I'm trying to come up with the most colorful phrases that I can for this particular episode. I like it because, well, what could be more fun than a bag of raccoons and the risk or of having... Or than a yeah, bag of raccoons. And run the risk of having your eyeballs scratched out. <laughs> Fascinating. Fascinating. They've got little hands. My mom saw one on the porch one time and it was eating some leftover cat food because at one point in time before the coyotes ate all of them, my mom the had... The cats ate all of the cats. Ate the coyotes the cats. ate all of the cats yes. for you city dwellers who aren't yeah. quite sure. Because as development moves... To your area, wildlife becomes displaced. <laughs> so, um, I, and so there was cat food. There was cat food on the patio, and there was this raccoon out there. My mom said it was like the size of a small dog, and it stood up on its back legs. And she said, "I swear, it flipped me off." <laughs> so, when my boys were younger, um, one of my kids went to a different school from the other one. It, it required me to 
carpool. And we would straight off. So at any rate, young Travis had to be on his own for uh, the mornings one week every three to get onto the bus. And I get a text from him. Oh, my God, this raccoon just came after me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, first of all, I thought they were nocturnal. What is he doing up during the day? Right. Go to sleep, sir. Yeah, uh, clearly up to no good. He said, oh, he was over at the neighbor's house across the street. And then he stood up and he started to come toward me. And I swear to God, I would have never believed it if he had not taken pictures. (gasps) Because this thing had stood up and was like on two legs kind of going toward him. I'm like, oh, my God. So I, I asked him, I said, you know, did you did you challenge him? Did you question him? I mean, if he's, you know, all legit, why is he wearing that mask? What's right. he up to? Right. So. What never, are you doing in my neighborhood? Yeah, I don't recognize you. What's never, your address? We never <laughs> got to the bottom of that. I'm just saying. So raccoons apparently throw hands. <laughs> yes, so they do. So, yeah. And we're profiling them in our neighborhood. Just saying. So, so back to back to you know this crazy crazy story out of South Carolina. Oh, sorry, that's you. Okay, that's me. We also uh, forgot to mention that the in addition to the two dead family members, um, the girl that died in a horrible boating accident, the uh, Murdoch's family maid also died, and at first it was determined to be an accident that she had fallen. Um, there is some concern now that perhaps she had some, an assist in the falling because for the life insurance money, the last that I had checked, and again, these are all allegations that there had been nothing paid to her beneficiaries, but that the law firm of Murdoch and Murdoch had collected the, which is not actually the name of the law firm. I don't know. (laughs) Um, and I think the allegation is, or the suspicion is that, that he may have, have kept or misdirected those proceeds. Correct. Um, as far as who may have killed her, I know one of the suspects is also gravity. So I'm just, right. so. Right. And it's that. a, it's, it's a cruel mistress sometimes. And I will tell you as somebody who has taken more than one tumble, <laughs> it always wins in the end. It sure does. So at any rate though. Um, but there's also the young man who was found not very far from uh, one of their properties and there's some question as to whether or not the surviving son may have been involved in his untimely death. Oh, I haven't even seen that. Again, all allegations. Speculation. Fascinating. And what I think is going on in the uh, in the uh, true crime world is, is, first of all, an absolute pants wedding party. Pants wedding. Because there is so much shit going on in this one case. I think you could podcast on that for weeks and yes. weeks and weeks. But I think there's some sleuthing probably going on as well, don't you? Oh, yes. There are people who have been, uh, I don't know who's listening to this, but dear listener, um, there are oftentimes families in rural areas or smaller parts of the country who kind of run things and may abuse or take advantage of that position to get what they want. And I am getting the feeling from what I have read and seen and listened to on the podcasting sphere that the number of people lining up to rat fuck the Murdoch's is, oh my God. is, is the queue is getting long. <laughs> so maybe they don't have a lot of friends. Is that what you're suggesting? I, I'm saying that. Uh, yes, that's what I'm saying. Understood. Understood. So at any rate, though, also I had read where the wife, and her name escapes me, and I'm sure she was delightful, um, 
at any rate, before she, he wanted to meet with her at their 17 bazillion acre lodge, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like you have. And, um, she had told a friend before she left that she just thought it was weird. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if because she thought it was weird, she brought her son or if he had asked the son to come as well. That was a little bit lost on me because, well, at one point I'm just like, yeah, I'm done with this. Um, But at any rate, she had suspected something was up anyway. Yes. She had um, come to the conclusion that something was uh, like afoot because there was some, she was aware that there was some money. There there were fast and loose accounting things going on. And isn't there an allegation that he was addicted to To painkillers? Yes. Yes. And that also played into it. So I believe that. She red flags were going up, or raising a furled, right? Unleashed whenever he's like, "Let's go out to this secluded place where no one can find us or you." I mean, us. That's what I meant. <laughs> Mostly you. <laughs> Mostly you. But don't bring anybody with you because, well, my body count's getting a little high. <laughs> right. You got him stacking up like cordwood back here. <laughs> we're not speaking about anybody in particular, by the way. So, yeah, so I thought that was really, really intriguing. And you think about it, and, you know, what in the hell kind of dark place do you have to go to that any of this seems like a legitimate means to whatever ends you're trying to get to? I don't. It's very concerning, and I will say that through my work in the criminal justice system, I have learned that the power of addiction is the most powerful thing. It's more powerful than love. It's more powerful than your will to survive. It is incredibly powerful, and if he was, in fact, under, in the throes of addiction, um, he has my empathy. However, I can't. But I've, okay, I've known a number, and have worked with and, and helped and worked alongside people who have suffered under addictive conditions, and not one of them has thought, hey, you know what, if I go on a killing spree, that's going to end really well for me. No, 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 I don't. I have empathy for the fact that he was suffering from addiction. I do not have sympathy for. No, the I under, that no, I understood caused. that. I'm just saying, yeah. I mean, addiction sucks. Yeah. But I've never known anybody who thought, well, gosh, you know, if I just kill a few people here and there. Fortunately, those are few and far between because <laughs> That's fair. That's most, fair. <laughs> most people are not psychopaths or so, sociopaths, allegedly. That is true. I'm not sure that there aren't two of them in this room. <laughs> So one of the things, and this is kind of insider baseball for those of you that like legal inside, stuff. Inside baseball. Insidey baseball. Insider baseball. Inside baseball. He's correcting me. I am in fact correcting. So I'm going to call it insidey baseball. This usually me. doesn't end well for me because I think everyone's dead who's still alive. I also have to remind him who he went to school with. I'm like, you went to school with him. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I never say no, I didn't. I just assume you're right. And it's not because... I don't like people. It's not because I don't have respect for them. It's that, you know, I I am holding tons of totally useless random information in my head. I can pull out the most salient detail of the most ridiculous show from 25, 35, 45 years ago, but I can't tell you who I went to high school with. Precisely. I am hopeful that at some point in time there will be a game show. That allows me to disgorge all of this nonsense that I've been carrying around in my nugget for all these years. And I will make an excess of $5 US. Thank you. (laughs) But inside baseball, since that's a thing. Um, 
they have been holding Alec Murdoch, even though it's spelled Murdoch. It's so What weird. is with the hard K sound? It's a, it's a low country accent. Oh, okay. Because that's a thing. Okay. I was but, unaware. Um, clearly. Clearly. They've been holding him on an unrelated issue. And I am never, I'm often hesitant or perhaps loathe to give prosecutors credit in certain situations. But they have been building this oh, wait till we get to only murders in Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. Um, they've been holding him on unrelated charges to these two murders. And in the course of holding him and his bail has been very high and he was unable to make bail because I believe that his assets have been frozen due to the malfeasance allegations of malfeasance with the money and the law firm and uh, so i didn't realize there were any assets left other than like real property so there was cash left too i i believe that there is some in the law firm but it's right, he but can't access that law that. firm is multiple people and they're all in trouble really yeah the people that have been cascading through the bar complaints because his best friend is the one that was supposed to have uh, settled Gloria Satterfield's estate. Really? Yeah. So he's got this whole network of, and it's all, the house is crumbling. All of the dominoes are falling. So okay. he's been helped. So can I just, I'm sure. going to interrupt you here. No, it's fine. So What's uh, new? he worked at his family's law firm, Peters, Murdoch, Parker, Ellsworth, and Dietrich. And then in parentheses, they put the initials PMPED. And I'm just pointing out that that looks like pimp ed. <laughs> so if you need to learn how. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you're looking for a skill set, Pimpet. Go to Pimpet. Yes. And from an HBO documentary many, many years ago, Pimpin ain't easy. <laughs> it ain't easy. So he's been held this entire time. While he's been in custody on these unrelated charges, the prosecutor has been building the case on the murder charges. And the reason they did that, the reason they did not charge him with the murders until this week. Oh, I'm sorry. They've removed his name, so now it's P.P. Ed. <laughs> so if you need help with that, hit him up. There you go. Just saying. Can, By the way, I'm seven. Can you imagine how fast they were trying to get that off the letterhead? Call the designer! <laughs> Call him now! I don't care. Get that graphic guy on the phone. Your cousin can do it? Alright, get him on the phone right now! White out. Get white out. Until then, <laughs> bottles and bottles of white out. We gotta get him off here. <laughs> So one of the things that happens when you're in custody is, and you're charged with a crime, you can invoke your right to a speedy trial. And the reason that they waited as long as they did to file these murder charges is because he's been in custody. And if they file the charges, then he has the trial has to happen in X amount of time. And because they've waited this long, I guarantee you they're ready to go to trial yesterday. So he invoked his speedy trial rights and the prosecution was like, yeah, us too. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so this, I, I just pulled this article up. It's from Rolling Stone. Evidently, he is facing 48 charges. Um, eight clients threatening to sue him, alleging that he stole money from clients. And then going to the, um, to the uh, housekeeper. So evidently... He was also arrested for a hit and run. I didn't realize that. Um, uh, perhaps that escaped me in this. Yeah, in this cavalcade. Uh, this cavalcade of charges. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
mean, you know, 48, I think you're really putting some effort in at right. that point. That's strong work, Alec. <laughs> that, that is a commitment to your craft. The fact that you've got 48 charges suggests you're not very good at it. Exactly. <laughs> Stop committing crime if for Please. no other reason than you're not good at it. Right. So okay. at any rate, though, so here's what, here's what Rolling Stone, the article from them, is saying. Is, is that the, the housekeeper's family is claiming that Murdoch scammed them out of insurance money um, and uh, apparently had convinced or allegedly had convinced the family to sue him, to sue his own estate, to sue his own family. And then they ended up getting an insurance settlement. And um, I, I guess that we don't know where the money is. I'm not sure. It just, it does say that they, that he, uh, Murdoch had convinced that family to hire his friend to sue him. Right. I did know that. This is part, that friend is now facing uh, disciplinary issues with the state bar of South Carolina. Yikes. Um, And today, uh, this is breaking news. A former bank CEO has been indicted by a federal grand jury accusing, accused of conspiring with disbarred lawyer, Alec Murdoch to misappropriate funds from clients diverting millions of dollars. So now he's charged with wire fraud and bank fraud. Great. Oh, my God. I mean, so at, at this point, what I find striking and, and not the bullet that the assassin fired, because that obviously didn't strike anything. This guy tried to kill himself by way of a third party. Correct. Uh, what's the guy's name who was running the sex ring? Jeremy Jeffrey Epstein. Um did not kill himself. I don't fucking care. I, you know, I call that swift justice. That'd be a great show. Swift, swift justice. justice. There's a already show. a show with that. Name. Ah, fuck. Whatever. Oh, sorry. All the good ideas are taken. So at any rate, so all the good is, ideas are someone else's. Exactly. <laughs> this should surprise no one who is listening. Hi, Sandra. Um, Mommy. So in charge, he's charged with stealing more than $6 million. Um, and his lawyers claimed in a January 4th motion that it's unreasonable to hold their client on a $7 million bond. That takes some balls. Because he only stole $6 million. <laughs> Right. How's he supposed to make bail? Yeah, we could give you the $6 million, but we can't. At any rate, again, we want to point out these are all allegations that have been made and all that he, like everyone, is entitled to his day in court, um, which hopefully comes soon, frankly. Now, moving on to the Beatrice Six. Now, I do before we leave this. Sure, of course. I just want to take one second and acknowledge that uh, Margaret and Paul were his wife and son, and in no way are we trying to be disrespectful to the victims of this enterprise. And uh, our hearts are heavy for people that love them. Sure. I mean, at least mine is. Somebody has no feelings at the other end of this table. (laughs) I'm not saying that, but I, I am saying that there were some serious questions about what went on on that boat and what oh, happened yeah. after the fact and what may have been viewed as a complete and total lack of remorse yes. and what may have really been viewed as a complete and total lack of remorse by everyone in that family. Exactly. And it's I'm not suggesting, troubling. and I'm going to cut all of this anyway, yeah. but I'm not suggesting that people deserve to die ever. I'm not yeah. suggesting that at all. What I am suggesting, though, is, is 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 that the universe gives back what it gets. Yeah, the universe has a way of writing itself. Yeah, so you know, it is I mean, what it is. And you, bad things happen to good people all the sure. time, all the time, sure. and that's unfair and it's unfortunate. But every now and then, karma gets it right, 
I don't know if it did this time or not. Right, but I mean, we both have kids. We both have kids that are in situations that are old enough now that we're not always with them or can't control those situations. And the fact that they would be with somebody who would be so callous and cavalier with their safety right. is mind-blowing. Right. No, absolutely. So, yes. Yeah. So, there's a chunk of this that's going to come out. I don't know what all of it will. I'll probably listen yeah. to it and cringe at what I just said. Or I may not and say, screw it. We're going right. to leave it in. Right. Um, not because I'm cold. Not because I'm callous. Not because I'm harsh. But because, well, you know what? Sometimes we need to say what's on our mind. Mm-hmm. And you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Sometimes um, the people who do that all the time, sometimes they need to hear it. Mm-hmm. So that moving on, though. Um, so moving on to the Beatrice Six. Did you know about this story before? Yes. Did you know about it in 1985? No. Okay. I did not. I do remember in my mind there's some, like, lizard brain memory of it being on 60 minutes at some point in time or a portion of it being on 60 minutes at some point in time but i didn't know the full depth of it until recently okay did you watch the yes i did and and in all fairness to hbo it's perfectly fine though interesting documentary um it's actually called mind over murder but I kept talking to a friend of mine about it, and for the life of me, I could not remember the name of it, so I referred to it as Only Murders in Nebraska. Because that's the kind of high-quality comedy you can come to expect here. Yes, but I will also tell you I am confident that the Beatrice Chamber of Commerce is not at all excited about this. No. So let's take a moment, and you know, you talked about just a few minutes ago that you're, you're loath to give much credit to, to some prosecutors. What happened here? What didn't happen here? A complete and total lack of objectivity, of ethical behavior, of of exercising basic human decency even. I realized that the people that they were dealing with maybe, um, maybe weren't the most educated, right. maybe weren't coming from the most means. Mm-hmm. Nobody, no body deserves to be treated that way and i want to tell everybody this who's listening who presumes they already know it but i've heard it time and time again and i know you have too when i ask why did you talk to the police without a lawyer well you know i was just scared i was just nervous i i I know i shouldn't and i I tell people i tell people i tell people do not talk to the police without an attorney well i didn't do anything i don't care right I'm, you tell me you didn't do anything. Okay, fine. We'll work with that. Don't talk to the police because as soon as you do, I have so much less that I can work with. This is coming from somebody who used to be a cop. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't do, like I said, I don't handle adult felonies. I don't do any adult criminal work at all anymore. Um, but you watch this show and you watch what happened to these people when somebody was so fixated on pinning something on them Mm -hmm. that they didn't have any idea what they were doing. They had no no idea what they were agreeing to. And I I particularly enjoyed the one part where, um, well, do you remember his name? No. Oh, well, let's take a break. We come back and, oh, do you remember his name? Yeah, it was Tom Winslow or whatever the name was. Right. And I think, oh, dear God, that's excruciating to watch. Yeah. It's, it's a, there has to be kind of like this combination of factors um, there has to be, usually it's a sensational 
issue, right? I mean, right. nobody's doing some mundane, you know, run-of-the-mill robbery or something on someone. There has to be some sort of sensationalism to it. Usually it's, in, in combination with the sensational, it has to be somebody that's quote-unquote important um, that adds the sensationalism, but also the... Um, there needs to be a level of sort of gore to it or graphic or right. make it salacious. I guess that's the word I'm trying to look for. And then you have to have a rush to judgment. And that's a combination of lazy cops, incompetent cops, like lazy and incompetent cops or and or lazy and incompetent prosecutors. And sometimes those things all come together with one more thing lazy or unprofessional or whatever defense attorneys. Yes, I was going to get to that. Too. And, um, you know, we will both say the same thing. There are an incredibly high percentage of wonderful, great prosecutors, of great Absolutely. defense attorneys, Absolutely. of great and committed and dedicated police officers. We're not talking about them. We're talking about this very narrow a uh, very narrow group of people across the spectrum, and every profession has them, Sure, where their actions can end up dramatically altering, affecting, impacting, or ruining mm-hmm. the lives of other human beings. Mm-hmm. And we need to take that seriously, and we need to hold people accountable. Yes. And what I thought was, was really interesting is, is this prosecutor who prosecuted the case um, really didn't see any need to come on camera and explain himself. No, they never do. He didn't seem to have any problem grabbing a camera when he was winning these cases. Yes. Without DNA evidence, even though he had received a letter that said there was a company that, in fact, could do the DNA analysis. Mm -hmm. Granted, DNA evidence was in its infancy at the time. But, sir, wasn't your job to get to the truth? Don't you right. want to make sure that you actually have the right person instead of presuming that you do? Mm-hmm. And that's what I find so distasteful, so disheartening about mm-hmm. the system. Because you know as well as I do, if any one of those people had money, this wouldn't have happened. No, nope, it wouldn't have happened. Never. It's, so It never happens to people of means. No. And, you know, and I'm, I'm not... I'm not trying to armchair quarterback their attorneys. I'm sure they did a fine job working with what they had at the time Mm -hmm. and working with clients who maybe were not able to really fully explain to them what happened either. And one of the most terrifying things as a defense attorney is when you're up against a prosecutor that you know has a reputation of maybe not being as forthcoming with evidence as they might need to be. And when you're working a case as extensively as you have to work like a murder trial or anything like that you start to get really very familiar with the evidence and you can almost intuitively feel like there's something missing like something's not quite right there's there's a question mark that you can't quite put your finger on and then you have to end up filing more motions and eventually a lot of times uh bing here comes a piece that helps explain at least that inconsistency and so then you're left with the question of well, if that inconsistency is there, how many other ones am I missing? Right. Because I'm just one person or, you know, two people if right. you have a team. And there's, you know, 37,000 pages of documents. And it's just, it's overwhelming. And again, to me, now, it's it's not 
a defense attorney's job to obfuscate the facts. It's not a defense attorney's job to lie, manipulate, or otherwise. That's unacceptable. But it's also not a prosecutor's job to win, 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 win. It's the prosecutor's job to get to the truth, no matter how inconvenient that may be. But what has happened in this case, as we found out, is is this the true perpetrator who raped and murdered a 60-some-year-old woman in a brutal fashion Mm -hmm. escaped any sort of consequence at all. Mm -hmm. And that problem extended beyond just the confines of Beatrice. Right. And if a prosecutor, any prosecutor that's in it for the right reasons and doing a good job knows that it's much more important to get the right person than to get a person because the right person could, if you don't get them, then they could go out and continue this crime spree or continue to hurt other people. And the stories that you hear on um, shows like Dateline, there was just one recently with Josh Mankiewicz that took place. Um, They kept chasing after this girl's boyfriend for a crime that happened when they were on prom night. And it, it wasn't him. And the man when he finally confessed, says something along the lines of, well, is that the one I left against the tree? And the investigators are like, say what? One more time. Pardon me? No, you left her up against the wall. So who was the girl up against the tree? And this man was a long haul trucker. So who knows how many other people are out there because they were fixated on this, on this kid for all these years. Right. And, um, there was an opportunity in this process to, and with, I think Bruce Allen Smith, was that the the name of the actual perpetrator? I think so. Um, I haven't it, thought about this in a minute. In, in any case, uh, there was an opportunity to have caught him mm-hmm. when the DNA evidence was actually sent again when the police went to talk to him. And the analyst said, oh, it's not a match. And then only later we found out what? That that analyst had been falsifying, pretending, acting. I don't know what number of cases ended up completely, completely jacked up because this person decided to not do their job. Right. And we rely so heavily on forensic evidence at this point in time. You know, I've been doing trials, criminal work for almost 16 years now. And it's the CSI effect because CSI came on, you know, around the time that I left law school and people expect and want there to be this, you know, scientific evidence confirming what they think has happened. And the thought that people are just rubber stamping these things is, I mean, it just, it just takes takes me to my knees to think about the power that they have. Joyce Gilchrist, that was the uh, that was the forensic scientist out of yes. uh, working with the Oklahoma City Police Department. So she was involved in over 3,000 cases, and her evidence led in part to 23 people being sentenced to death, mm-hmm. 12 of whom have already been executed. Right. And, and you have to wonder, gosh, was that... Right? Mm-hmm. Did we get it right? Mm-hmm. Or did we not? And and I do want to say, the people who sit back and say, oh, well, you know, they were probably guilty of something. That's not necessarily true. No. And in a lot of instances, 
they're not guilty of anything other than being poor, right. undereducated, a minority, in right. the wrong place at the wrong time, right. not the right age, mm-hmm. any number of factors. And, and you know, you can't pin everything on the police. No. There has to be someone else. There has to be legitimacy. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be in the courtroom. That's why there are so many different steps in any kind of criminal prosecution. The police have to look at it. Then they have to decide what to present to the DAs. And the DAs have to look at it. And if it's a death case, at least in some states, a potential death case, they have to take it to a panel to decide whether or not they're actually going to seek the death penalty. And then it has to be to a juror. And, you know, then appellate judges and things go sideways. But there's all these opportunities for it to be corrected. And a lot of times, once it's in the system, even though there's these avenues for recovery, it's really hard to get a conviction overturned. Really, really hard to get a conviction overturned. Right. Almost impossible in some circumstances. And, and, you know, you look at the behavior and, you know, it's just like this perfect storm Mm -hmm. of of really shitty professionals. Mm -hmm. You had um, you had a sheriff's deputy who clearly was not adequately trained in interrogation methods, who was sharing information, details about the crime that, that, that these people should not have had. Right. You had a prosecutor who just went balls out because, by God, these are the people. Then you had the opportunity to exonerate them. So the police department takes it back over some years later from the sheriff's department, goes to Oklahoma City, gets a, D- gets a DNA sample, gets, I don't remember all of the details, right. but it runs through the Oklahoma City Police Department forensic unit where this Joyce Gilchrist was working, mm-hmm. and sorry, it's not a match. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we got it wrong. These right. people went from Beatrice, Beatrice, Nebraska, to Oklahoma City, which Beatrice is not a huge community. It's not no. like they've got a, a police budget of tens of millions of dollars. No. This is a lot of resource tied up it because is. two cops thought, hey, that we need to go back and we really need to look at this. Mm-hmm. So then you had, um, you also had the, and I can't think of which defendant it was, that had always, always talked about his innocence. Joseph White, maybe? I can't remember for sure. I think that's right. I think you're right. I'm terrible with the names, though, at this point. In and um, in any case, he actually ended up getting an attorney to handle the appeal who was just phenomenal at his job. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously was able to, to get those convictions overturned. Then um, a couple of attorneys came in for a civil suit against Gage County, Nebraska, as well as against the prosecutor and, and I think the sheriff's deputy. And, of course, the prosecutor has has immunity. Right. Um, I don't know how the lawsuit ended. I didn't get that far yet. Um, in any case, though, the, the lack of acceptance, the lack of accountability, in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary, this person still says, no, nope, I know they did it. I know they did it. Right. You have no physical evidence of that at all. You you have person after person telling you that your interrogation techniques were not only flawed, but likely were so far out of bounds and out of reality, mm-hmm. but you're just still convinced that you didn't do didn't do anything wrong. Right. 
that you're also being singled out. happens in the Pam Hupp case. Uh, there's a Dateline episode about it. Uh, actually, Dateline's covered several issues related, done several episodes on it. And she actually sent an innocent man to prison. And uh, then in order to, once he was released, in order to make it look like she was still a victim in this, she basically hired uh, a man who had intellectual disabilities or I shouldn't say that. He had a TBI, and so he was vulnerable, and she, like, paid him money to come to her house and, like, break in the house. It was going to be some stage thing that she said she was a Dateline producer, and she ends up killing him, and the prosecutor, with all this information, the prosecutor that originally prosecuted, her name is Leah Askey, originally prosecuted the husband, and, you know, he was found guilty incorrectly, um, still says... That she, like, nope, it's him. <laughs> and Josh Mankiewicz was looking at her like, bitch. What, <laughs> what now? One, one more time oh, from sorry, the top. It's Keith Morrison. So... Keith Morrison's like, bitch. That's because funny. he had an alibi for the time of the crime. Right. He had been at his friend's, his wife was dying of cancer. And he had been with his friends playing, I don't know, card game, board game, something. He stopped at Arby's on the way home. Had a receipt. People at Arby's knew who he was. Still charged him with the crime. Convicted him. And that should tell you just how scary juries are. Right. (laughs) Well, because also, you know, there are certain... There's a couple of different things. And I think I've talked about this um, Malcolm Gladwell book before. Mm -hmm. I think it's What the Dog Saw. I can't remember. Uh I've read all of his works. They're all wonderful. But he talks about how... There are, we expect people to behave or respond in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And when they don't, it, it raises some suspicion, kind of depending upon what the circumstances are. And they talked about, and her name just flew out of my head, uh, the girl whose roommate was murdered. They were uh, overseas. Right. Give me a second. All I can think about is Elizabeth Smart, and that's the one who got kidnapped in Utah. Give me a second. I'll think of her name. So at any rate, though, the roommate... Um, did not behave in a manner consistent with what we generally expect of of somebody who is shocked, saddened, upset by the loss of this roommate. She would laugh inappropriately. She would not. She didn't really seem to demonstrate much emotional. Amanda Knox. Ah, very good. Um, she didn't seem to demonstrate much emotional reaction. And somehow, you know, all of that, we we get to court, she's not sitting and looking the way we expect her to look. So she gets found guilty of Mm -hmm. this crime and later exonerated. Now, and and I'll tell you, she's got her own podcast and um, a clip was played off of it. And you're just like, oh, dear God, you're... Your reactions are so totally different from what we expect. The point of Gladwell's... of of Gladwell's analysis of this was that this plays out over and over again with when police officers are interrogating, when juries are watching defendants, when defendants testify, when witnesses testify, and even judges as well. Mm -hmm. And we see that people aren't reacting in a manner consistent with what we think is normal human behavior, Mm -hmm. and we make the wrong judgment. And that is terrifying because that can happen to any one of us who could find ourselves in the wrong place at the wrong time Mm -hmm. and then not knowing really what all of the circumstances are, our reaction is inconsistent or incongruent with what had occurred, and now all of a sudden things have gone south. 
And that's one of the reasons that they went after the husband in uh, that the thing about Pam case so hard is because they felt that his reaction was too over the top. His grief was too much. How do you? Do- <laughs> I'm sorry. Why don't you? Why don't you give me the barometer? Right. And I'll work within the confines of of what the appropriate readings are. Right. Because I think that one of the things that probably played into it, and this is just me being armchair psychiatrist, is that his wife had cancer. She had terminal cancer. So you expect that, you know, the treatment's going to continue. It's not going to go very well. You know, she's going to have what we consider to be, you know, a typical death from a, a long chronic illness like that. To walk into your house and see her, like, in a pool of blood stabbed. I mean, can you imagine the mind fuck that that would be? Right. Right. Because you already knew you were going to lose her. Now you got cheated out of that time. And and she died in a horrifying Horrible manner. Way. Yeah. And and again, okay, lay down your copy of the rule book about how I'm supposed to react to you. And, and that is, again, absolutely terrifying that that could happen to any one of us or to someone that we care about. Mm-hmm. And it does happen and it does play out and it does play out against people that other people care about. Yes. Again, just because they may not be in the same social strata as you, just because they may not have the same education as you or live in the same neighborhood as you, doesn't make it any less wrong. Right. We're all very, very vulnerable to that kind of just lightning strike moment of everything wrong heading at the same time. Right. Absolutely. So, um, so all of that, this whole notion of, um, this whole notion that these people spent what, 20 plus 25 years Behind bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was 2009, I think, when they got exonerated. Okay. And it happened in 1985. Okay. So. so they've spent all this time behind bars. There's no amount of compensating for that. There's absolutely no amount of money that makes that right or makes that okay. Um, I do know that they, I do know there was an award of some sort. I don't know how much it was. I don't know how helpful it was. Um but I, I can tell you, you know, you watch some of these folks who did agree to be interviewed, the, the defense attorneys, and it's just, it's just kind of like, oh, man, you know, they, they didn't really, I don't know that they really had a lot to work with, right. but the prosecutor had a reputation, and it seemed like that you didn't want to rock the boat. Because rocking the boat with one of your clients is rocking the boat for all of them. And that is completely unacceptable. Right. People who think, oh, yeah, that tough as balls prosecutor. Yeah, everybody needs to be hung. Everybody needs. No, no, that's not the case. People who commit crimes, there should be consequences. Absolutely, there should I be consequences. I agree with that. And I'm a criminal defense attorney. Yes. No one should avoid consequences. No. However, people who didn't commit the crime shouldn't have to suffer consequences of it. Right. And, and I think it was Benjamin Franklin that said, I would rather see 100 guilty people go free than one innocent man go to jail. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't him, I'll give him credit for it nonetheless. Actually, uh, it was Abraham Lincoln because I read that on his blog post. That he just posted on the Internet. Oh, fantastic. I had seen him in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter uh-huh. and Abraham Lincoln Zombie Killer, uh-huh. which both, by the way, were historically accurate. Pristine. Historically <laughs> accurate depictions 
of not only what Abraham Lincoln did, but why Mary Todd Lincoln maybe didn't have her cheese fully on her cracker. Correct. So with that, what else? Well, um, I avoided possibly a very scary situation today by not going to an interview. (laughs) (laughs) That was, well, you know, kitten... If you had just worn the skirt you were told to wear. Okay, so it's no secret. We're both lawyers. Yippee. Neither one of us cares about that. No. Like, honestly, we're the two most who fucking cares people about that particular. We like talking about ridiculous things. Right. I mean, I just happened to do this because it was interesting and it seemed like the thing to do. But I received an unsolicited email from someone. Uh, asking me to apply for a, comp- a position with their company as general counsel. And I was like, oh, what the hell? You know, look at that money. Look at all that money. <laughs> Where'd all that weed come from? <laughs> so I thought, well, you know, whatever. So I sent them my resume, a cover letter, you know, the stuff that you usually do. And then I received um, confirmation for the interview. That actually, this happened yesterday, which was a Wednesday. They wanted me to come in. And uh, yesterday, and have an interview. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm busy. Unfortunately, I can't make it. What about tomorrow? And we agreed upon a time. And then I received an email that said, for the interview, there is a dress code as well. There is a dress code for the interview. So somebody was copying, pasting something. Right. But the dress code is business attire, like a pencil skirt, white button-down blouse, and a blazer. Your shoes have to be black, closed-toe heels with pantyhose, tan pantyhose, and the colors that you can pick from are gray, navy, blue, or black. Now, dear listeners. <laughs> Hello, friends. <laughs> Hello, friends. Fam, where we are right now, it is 99 degrees Fahrenheit. If I put on a pair of pantyhose, it would sear immediately into my skin, and I would never be able to get them off. First of all... It's 2022. I have not worn hosiery since I had to go in and out of prisons. And prisons have weird rules about what you can wear. And I think the last time that it mattered was when I was still visiting people on death row. And that was 2009. Right. I don't even know where to procure a pair of pantyhose. Can you still buy a tube of panties? A tube I'm just of panties? curious. Just I don't curious. think Jackie shells those anymore. <laughs> but a, a pencil skirt. A white blouse, button up. I was like, I only have button downs. What do I do? <laughs> I can't possibly button in the other direction. I can't. I can't. I, I don't know how to do it. I, I'm out. So um, this did not go over well with me, dear friends. And uh, I respectfully declined their interview and may have just walked away from an $180,000 a year job. Well, yesterday it was 170, but okay. Oh, I think it is 170. Sorry. It's 170 <laughs> like 155 to 170 or something. So, you know, it was funny because when she stopped by, there was a, another friend of ours who was here and I'd asked how your interview how did your interview go? And Stephanie responded, "I didn't go." And our friend without missing a beat said, "Was it one of the 70 red flags?" <laughs> there was a lot here. That um, would give one pause about continuing in the application process. I can only imagine that their office is actually a circus-sized tent comprised solely of red flags. (laughs) (laughs) There were some other red flags that we won't go into. Um, So, all right. 
next time, two weeks from now, two because we've changed, we're changing our format. Two weeks from now, we're going to be talking about giving it. Well, I, I screwed it up already. We're going to be giving a nod to community playhouses, community theaters. And does anybody want to know why? Tell me. Because the people who made the documentary on the Beatrice Six convinced the Beatrice Community Playhouse to put on a play about the Beatrice Six. And I'm like, wow. That's meta. And then <laughs> they agreed to do it. I love it. And it is, it is, it's fascinating. You got to watch it. You yeah. absolutely have to watch it because you're going to see the most interesting collection of people who are out doing it, having fun. People who are out doing it to blow off a little steam. People who are doing it because they are frustrated actors right. who could never get hired, and they are really obvious. They are 100% sure their Oscar is just one yes. big breakaway. And, <laughs> and a couple of them in particular play to the camera so hard, it's yeah. cringy. You're just like, oh, stop, that stop. That would be me. Just stop. Ham, ham, ham. No, it wouldn't. Well, and then, okay. So then there's one scene where they're they're rehearsing and um, they they are using the colloquial term for anal sex. And oh, the That took a turn. The actress said, Well, do we have to say? And she said the word. And they're like, Well, yeah, that's what was said. And she's like, At any rate, the word gets said, the phrase gets said like two or three or four times, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Stop saying it then. <laughs> Good Lord. The easiest way to not have to hear it, ma'am, is to stop saying it. I actually did that in a trial one time. The witness was like all stumbling around. I was like, it's okay. You can say titty fucking in court. <laughs> and he's like, kind of like, oh, and then said they wanted a titty fuck. And then by the end of it, he's like, oh, yeah, titty fuck. Yeah, titty fuck, titty fuck, titty fuck. And I'm like, by by the fuck. time the trial was over, they had, they had keychains, they had bumper stickers. They were having jackets made. <laughs> I was still accomplished that day. I won the trial, and I also corrupted someone saying titty fuck like 87 times. Under oath, mind oh you. Oh, my gosh. It's a good hilarious. day. That student loan payment felt good that month. That's hilarious. So so that's what we're talking about next month, but or next, uh, next time. In all seriousness, though, community playhouses are really just phenomenal. It gives people so the opportunity fun. to showcase some talent, to try out some new things. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with the frustrated actor who right. is going to make it ridiculous for everyone right. else. But I, I, there's some really neat stuff there. Um, one of my youngest son's dearest friends uh, is has participated in Community Playhouse, and he's he's won the lead a couple of different times. And um, after Travis passed away, he told me, you know, it's Travis that encouraged me to try out for this. Yeah, I would have never done it otherwise. And and of course, he was the lead. This kid is he's incredibly talented. We're very kind very proud kid. of him. Oh my gosh, yeah, all all of those boys. We're yeah. very proud of all of those boys. Um, in any case, though, it should be fun to talk about. Yeah. And um, again, if you have ideas of things that you would like us to give a nod to, send an email to Stephanie at weekendmediagroup.com and yes. let her know. Yes. And if you would like to maybe get a coffee mug, what should they do? Um, how about you leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes? Or wherever else you may or be listening to podcasts. any other podcatcher that has a rating system. Send a copy of that to me at... Not just a five-star review, but a five-star review and write something nice about us. That's yeah. what you got to do. You got to write something nice. 
you got to say, Stephanie's hair is very shiny. They can't see you. I think it's shiny. <laughs> I think. I imagine it's shiny. <laughs> I, I think she's eating science diet. She has a lovely coat. I do. So let me bring this back. So if you would like a an Odd Pod coffee mug, the first two people who email Stephanie at WeekendMediaGroup.com with a screenshot of their five-star rating and their written review, if you're in the United States, we will send that to you. We would send it internationally, but we're on a shoestring budget here. Yeah, I don't even know how to do that. Right. You go to the post office. Those fine folks there are very helpful. They have to help me all the time because I am... I am just not good at post officing. <laughs> she is vexed by postage. I am. I'm like, I want them to sign the green card, but I don't nearly need anything else but that. I don't know. Just make it happen. Nice man. So there you go. Um, all right. Other than that, we have got um, our next show already lined out. Yeah. We hope very excited. We hope that you'll send us some ideas for the show after that. If not, you're going to be stuck with what we decide is going to be worth listening exactly. to. Exactly. Because we love us. We love the sound of our own voices. Indeed. So that is it for this week. We'll see you in two weeks. Have two great weekends. Yes. Stay safe and be well.